ask you to open your words today to Romans chapter 15. So a few weeks ago, some of you may have been here. Pastor Isaac spoke, and he asked prayer for me and my family as we were battling COVID ourselves. Uh, and this was, I think, three weeks ago or something like that. Uh, but so today it was supposed to be Pastor Isaac preaching. And he called me and he said, Mijo, I don't think I'm going to make it for Sunday. Uh, some of you may have already heard. He's home. He's doing well. But let's continue to keep him in our prayers. Um, the same thing. He got COVID and he, he was hospitalized for a few days last week, this past week. Um, he's doing well. So, Pastor, I don't know if he's watching us today, if he's listening, but we're praying for you, Pastor. We want you to get better. Um, and also, uh, I saw Pastor Josh, was able to hang out with him for a little bit last Sunday. And uh, we were here for uh, a nephew, his nephew, uh, Pastor Koba's youngest, Micaiah, his birthday. And Pastor Josh came in, and, and I was, like, excited to see him. But at the same time, I was so tired that day <laughs> that I was just, like, not as enthusiastic as I would have loved to have been. He was showing us videos and pictures from their trip all over Europe. It was awesome to see, and it was awesome to see him. Let me tell you, church, the gift we've given him to take this sabbatical, I could see it all over his face. He was refreshed. You could tell he was renewed. You could tell he's ready to come back. I know, I know, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he's listening. I know Pastor Josh, and many of us know him well. He's probably so anxious, okay, to be back. I know he is, but uh, we want him to know. Josh, we want you to know you. Dude, just take your time. We'll be here. We'll see you next week. Most likely we'll see him next week or in the next week and a half. But in the meantime, if you want to send him your love and you know, just send him a message. It's okay. I'm sure he'll receive it well, um, and he'll be excited. Otherwise, continue to just, you know, come to your front office staff, church administration, leaders, pastors. We're here to serve you and help you in any way we can. That's part of what uh, the message is about today. And I want to just reiterate a little bit of what Pastor Koba was mentioning, because today's passage comes right along with it, even though it's a few chapters later. Uh, Romans chapter 12 is a wonderful teaching I've always, always appreciated. And Pastor Koba revisited that chapter, even though we've gone through it. Uh, he revisited that chapter last week and gave us a wonderful and fresh perspective on our response, right? And, and what our response as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ should be. In light of what God has done for us. Amen? Are you tracking with me? Yeah? In light of what Christ has done for you and I, what should our response be then? Right? What should my lifestyle be like? What should, which is what today's message is about, what is my mind thinking? How is my behavior, okay, reflecting, follow me, how is my behavior reflecting what God has done in my life, the transformation that has occurred in my mind on how I see each and every one of you, how I see my neighbor, how I treat my neighbor, right? Are we treating each other the way God, the way Christ has given us the example to treat each other? Is everybody following? Is everybody tracking with me? So there is a responsibility on your and my part, major responsibility. We can't hide from it. We can't run from it. There's no excuse that we can come up with to say, that doesn't apply to me. 
that doesn't pertain to me. If you and I today, okay, listen carefully. If you and I today are here because we have made a decision to walk with Christ. Maybe you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Christ. I want to encourage you to do so. It's the best, best decision you'll ever make. That's all the witnesses I have today on that? <laughs> Seriously? If you make a decision to follow Christ today, it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. All right. Because I was starting to think, like, maybe world's only a few of us that believe that. Or, or what's going on, right? What's going on here? No. You know, there is a ministry that the Holy Spirit works in you and I that begins to work in us as we follow, as we walk with, as we believe in, as we learn about Jesus Christ, okay? As he becomes more part of your and my life. There is a responsibility, a reflection that you and I should be emitting out into this world, into the darkness. A light that should be flowing through you and I. Now, this passage here is very well connected. We're going to see why to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 talks about us being renewed, right? How many of you remember? Do you remember what Romans 12 says? Be renewed, right? By the way you think, right? Allow your mind to be transformed, right? He talks about all these things. He talks about renewal. He talks about transformation through the mind, through the way we think about things. So in other words, if I'm still thinking the way I used to think, even, check this out, watch this, even a week ago. So in other words, if I'm not seeing, if I'm not learning, if I'm not receiving new ways from Christ on a daily basis, and I'm not allowing God to work through Jesus Christ in my life, does that make any sense to any of us today? Now, it may sound like, well, pastor, you're saying every week? Yes, every week, every day. We could say, you know, if I'm still thinking the way I did, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we could say that whenever it was that we accepted Christ. But I'm challenging us again today. I'm challenging us again that we would look at the mind of Christ as something that you and I can attain. It's a process. It may be a lifelong journey. It may not be something that happens overnight. But it is a challenge that you and I can take and say, you know what? If the power of God is so great, okay? Is everybody tracking with me? You, everybody? All right. You know why I like to say that? Do you know why I like to say that? Because our minds tend to wander. My mind wanders all the time, okay? I'll be reading something. And I'll start thinking about something else. I'll finish a page in a book, and I'll be like, what did I just read? Why? Because I'm thinking of a bunch of things I need to do at home. I'm thinking about going to the gas station to fill up my tent. And then I have to go back and read it. And halfway through, it happens again. And then I'm like, you know, stinking devil, right? So if I pause often and say, are you tracking with me? It's just so kind of like, okay, let's get back over here. Okay? If that's okay with you? All right, cool. So then. Somebody mentioned to me, a friend of mine says, I love it because he doesn't really come to church. But he says, I love when I hear you because you're always asking if we're tracking. 
Well, I do it because even me, it helps me kind of like, okay, reset what I'm saying. All right, so the mind of Christ is something that you and I should strive for, okay? That you and I should aim for, that you and I should desire to have. So if it's something that we're desiring, and Paul teaches us that God and his word can renew and transform our mind. It's not a one-time, one-and-done situation or procedure. But it's a continual renewal. Do we take our cars in for service just once during the entire lifetime of that vehicle? No. Now, if you do, I'm going to suggest that you begin to take it at least every three, four months for checkups, for, you know, all the fluid levels to be at their appropriate place. We don't do that. Do we do the same in our homes? Do we clean it once and then think, all right, it's done for the rest of... Right? Why? Because dishes are constantly being used. Right? We want to use clean dishes. We don't just want to reuse old, dirty dishes, right? So we're constantly cleaning dishes. I hope we're constantly cleaning our homes. Somebody said, oh, the word of God says that cleanliness is next to godliness. The Bible does not say that anywhere, okay? I'm going to just clarify that right now. That's just something that you and I should be doing on a regular basis, okay? So, the mind of Christ isn't something that you and I could say, I want this today, and it's happening today. I have Jesus in my heart. I'm accepting Christ as, as my Lord and Savior today. My mind's going to be renewed. My mind's going to be refreshed. My mind's going to be transformed, and I'll be good to go from now on. No, it doesn't work that way. You and I both know, the moment we get up from this altar sometimes, <laughs> the moment we walk out of these doors sometimes, it's like we didn't even go to church. Right? We get home, and all of a sudden, it's like, didn't we just come home from church? We get in the car. We don't even have to go that far. Sometimes we just look on the other side of the sanctuary and see somebody, and we're like, oh, she came to church today? It's a good thing she's here. Well, I'm glad he's here today. Right? Oh, thank you, Lord, for bringing Brother Steve today. He needs your word today, Lord. Right? We don't even have to leave. The chair we're sitting in for us to start thinking, you tracking with me? For us to start going in the wrong direction. All of a sudden, we're judging. All of a sudden, we're criticizing. Wow, what's Pastor Joe thinking today? Why is he wearing that? Why is he, right? All of a sudden, we start. So we don't even have to go that far. So let's go back to the renewal of our mind. It's a constant process. It's a constant work that God is doing in our lives. But, here's a big but. If you and I are not, listen, if you and I are not in his word, if you and I are not in prayer, don't expect it to happen on its own. Don't expect things to change. Well, I went to church. <laughs> That is not a requirement for you and I to be transformed. 
That is not going to fulfill what you and I need for the transformation of our thoughts and our heart to follow that. Why do I say it in that order? Because the truth is, if we just do what the heart says, we'll be all over the place. We're emotional when it comes to our hearts. Every single one of us can't watch a movie, you know? Can't watch a rom-com without crying. Can't watch, you know, those Netflix series like, I don't know, Virgin River. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I don't watch those. I just kind of listen. When my wife's watching, I was like, no, seriously, right? I'm being serious. I'd like to mess around, but I'm being serious. If we follow and just do what the heart says, we'll be all over the place. So there's a reason why Paul, Christ, talked about renewing our minds. It's throughout the entire scriptures, from Old Testament to New Testament. That God's word would saturate. Okay, In Deuteronomy, it teaches parents to go throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, continually teaching the word of God to our children. Like it's constant. It says when you're in the marketplace, what does that mean? When you're going out and about, when you're driving places, when you're going places, you're shopping, wherever it is you're doing. You're on vacation. Whatever it is you're doing, you're always taking opportunities to teach children, your children, those around you, God's word. Why? Because it comes into the mind first. It goes through the, this mystery and this big, giant machine that's between our ears first. Do you know how powerful our brain is? Seriously, have you ever thought to... It's kind of funny. Have you ever thought? Have you, do you ever think about? Do you ever, have we ever really looked into how powerful our brain is? Have you really? Yeah? Uh, can I read you something real quick? I promise we're going to read the word. Okay? I promise. And we're not even going to go through the whole chapter. Yes, I just created distance between me and my screen because I need glasses to see, of course. We're going to go only to verse 13, and we're going to go through it pretty briefly. But watch this. I want to read something to you. I've been, I've been really allowing this book here to penetrate, saturate, and just, you know, have its way in my mind and in my heart. I started reading it because uh, a friend of mine asked, Pastor Joe, uh, can we start meeting together, you know, in a mentorship type of way? So I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's find something to read together. So we found this book. And I'm not even talking about this book today, but there was something in this book that has to do with what we're going through today and what we're going to read today. And it is called The Disciplines of a Godly Man by Kent Hughes. But check this out. This particular chapter has to do with the discipline of the mind. And, and if you're like me, okay, I need my mind to be disciplined. And it talks about different areas of our lives that require discipline in order to, you know, be that person, that man, uh, that God wants us to be. And I'm not just talking to men today, but this particular uh, section was extremely powerful. And I'm going to read a little bit extra than what I gave our text, 
So you guys don't have to worry about this part right now. But it says, the complex, listen to this, the complex capacity of the human brain is the subject of every widening scientific wonder. I'm going to read it really slow. I might even read some of it twice. Okay? Listen to this. It's 10 billion cells, the neurons. It's 10 billion cells are only a shadow. You hear that? They are only a small portion of what the brain can do. It says they are only a shadow of its complexity. Because each cell sends out tens of thousands of tentacles. Is it painting a little image in your mind? Okay. Now imagine every single second of our lives, this never stops. This is constantly giving and receiving and sending messages. Isn't this awesome? And God made this for you and I. And we don't even have to think about it. It just does it on its own. That, to me, is a miracle in itself. You want to know what's even a greater miracle? I don't, I don't ask God to see, like, crazy miracles that are, like, supernatural things. The fact that you and I are here today and that God had a plan for you and I to be here today, the fact that you're sitting here listening to me today, I'm not a great speaker. I'm not a famous person. I'm not a famous preacher, a famous pastor, a famous anything. But the fact that God had you here today to me and, and has me here today is a miracle in itself. That to me, those kinds of things are miracles to me. Look what else it says. Because each cell sends out tens of thousands of tentacles that connect to another tens of thousands of neighboring cells, each of which is constantly exchanging data impulses. The complexity intensifies as we understand that each data signal can then take one of a possible 20,000 different paths per cell. This is getting really deep for me beyond like my knowledge and thinking, but it sounds amazing that my brain is doing this right now, that your brain is doing this right now. And then it says, these in turn radiate out to another possible 20,000 paths and so on, so that the potential number of combinations grows beyond our comprehension. Wow. The staggering fact is that the total number of possible pathways through the brain exceeds 10 to the 80th power, which is more than the protons and neutrons in the entire universe. That's insane. That's your brain and my, my brain. Some of us might say, well, mine's not as fast, Pastor. Mine's probably missing a few. But you know what the wonderful thing is, is that God heals and God renews through his power through the ministry and the power of Jesus Christ, his word says that he heals and renews our lives regularly. Think about that. Regularly, daily, every second, every moment, God is healing our bodies. He is healing our minds so that you and I, so listen, listen, so that you and I could live up to the potential that he has for us. So that you and I could be here today. 
listen and receive his word in order that you and I could say, I'm different. I'm not the same person. I'm still struggling in a lot of areas, but I'm a different person. And I want to be better. How many of us want to be better? How many of us want to allow God to continue to heal, right? Okay, now let me get to the part I really wanted to read. It says, the dizzying, I love this guy's language and his vocabulary that he uses. Here it is. And you can follow along the screens on this one. The dizzying potential of the human mind reaches its apex. Everybody say apex. The dizzying potential of the human mind reaches its apex in the possibility. Wow, this is, it means that it, it reaches its peak. It reaches its greatest part of, like, the reason why God gave us this amazing piece of flesh that's between our ears and in our heads. That this is the main reason right here that he created our brains to work the way they do. It says, the dizzying potential of the human mind reaches its apex in the possibility of possessing what? The mind of who? The mind of Christ. So today's message is called Kingdom Minded. Okay? I just, I know, I just, my text right now, their brains just exploded because they asked me about titles every week. And I'm like, I don't know. Just make one up. I'm horrible at titles. So here's a simple one. Kingdom Minded today. That's what we're going we're gonna to get into. Being kingdom minded. How do we get kingdom minded, church? We got to get in God's word. We got to get in prayer. We got to stay connected to him. The only way you and I are going to start to think and function the way he wants us to function for his kingdom, for his glory, is to stay in prayer and to stay in his word. Then what does it say? Through the ministry of who? Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. A possibility affirmed by Paul when he said, but we have the mind of Christ, a mind that is constantly renewed. 1 Corinthians chapter 2.16 and Romans 12.2. No computer. So no computer, no software, no AI, nothing of that nature. It says no computer will ever be able to think God's thoughts. So wait. We can think God's thoughts? Absolutely. If his word and our devotion time with him is saturating our daily life, the result is godly thoughts, kingdom thinking. Look what else it says. No computer will ever be able to think God's thoughts, and no device will ever be able to know the heart of God. Or do his works. But the mystery that resides between our ears has the capacity. Oh, man. Our brains have the capacity to do just that. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing. Indeed, it was created for this. To have the mind of Christ. Somebody better praise the Lord. Chapter 15, verse 1. We then, 
Do you remember chapter, the previous chapter? Anybody remember? Paul was saying, you guys were arguing about things we don't need to be arguing about. Remember what we eat, what we don't eat. And I'm not going to talk about food today, I promise. But he was talking about what, you know, we criticize and judge each other because some of us eat certain things, some of us don't. Some of us want to celebrate certain days. Some of us think that we shouldn't be, right? And he's like, we're arguing and we're, you know, having disputes over things we shouldn't be having. Those things don't, aren't really important to the kingdom life. So then he says, what's really important to kingdom life is how we're treating each other. Not arguing with each other, not judging each other, how we're treating each other. How are we loving each other? So here he says, we then who are strong, says we ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. And not to please ourselves. So our responsibility or part of our responsibility in kingdom life and kingdom thinking is to put our needs secondary and put others before us, before ourselves. It's completely opposite of what society and culture tells us to do. We've mentioned that. We've heard it these last few weeks. We've brought up the subject that society and culture constantly are telling us and showing us that it's all about ourselves. That we need to care for ourselves first and foremost. But see, Scripture is completely opposite. Even Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, right? Seek first his kingdom. And then what did he say? And then all these other things will come. They'll fall into place. He also says, now, what do we gain if we worry about the everyday things? And we stress over the everyday things. If God takes care of the flowers in the field and the birds of the air, won't he take care of us even more? There's these, there's these I don't know if you've seen it, if you park on this side of the campus. But in the mornings when we come to the office, we're, we're greeted by a bunch of birds. I don't know what kind of birds they are. In Spanish, they, what was it? In Spanish, they're golondrinas. Swallows, thank you. You've probably seen them then. And, and they come and they start like flying under the eaves if you're walking there. And they almost look and seem like they're attacking us. And there's like five or six of them just fluttering around. But then if you look up behind one of the lights, there's this beautifully made, a perfectly made. When you look at it and how it's attached to the wall and a little ledge of the wood that's about an inch thick, it's amazing. I was like, these guys are engineers. They are. This, this nest is amazingly placed and perfectly located. It has protection from the weather. It's hidden. But these guys start flying through there the moment you walk by because they have a nest. And they had about seven little baby swallows in there. And now there's like two or three of them that are still kind of hanging out. The rest have gone. They're flying around. If God can care for them, isn't he going to care for you and I more? Isn't he going to take care of your needs and my needs? then why are we following society and culture and really putting ourselves above everybody else? Why do we do that? If we are to have the mind of Christ, Christ said it. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. 
There's so many things in the message of Christ. And it's not so that you and I live a poor lifestyle, a poor me type of mentality. I have nothing. I'm poor. No, it's because when we put Christ at the center of everything we do, and we're thinking of others and serving each other and allowing the kingdom of God to be played out and to be lived between you and I. You tracking with me? It is then that he is glorified. It is then that he sees you and I living our best life in him. So why wouldn't he bless us? Why wouldn't he give us and provide all the needs of our lives? God doesn't see anything wrong with you and I being wealthy. I mean, scriptures, even in the New Testament, talk about taking risks, financial risks. It teaches us about finances. It teaches us about being good stewards. If you and I were to follow the principles that Jesus and his scriptures teach, trust me. Trust him. Don't trust me. Trust him and his word and know that every detail, every aspect of your and my life has already been covered, has already been planned out. It's just about you and I bending our will towards him and not trying to force his will to change to what you and I want. But it's about our will being bent and saying, Lord, I want to allow you to take over my will and transform it if you need to do that. In order for me to think more like you, be more like you, because that, at the end of the day, church, is what God is calling you and I to do, is to be more like him. So then he says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to what? Leading to edification. So if you and I aren't building each other up, listen, listen carefully. If you and I are not building one another up, edifying each other, are you guys tracking with me? I got one amen. <laughs> if you and I, okay, if you and I are not, listen, if you and I are not building each other up, what are we doing? How can we be called Christians? How can we be called children of God? How can we be called followers of Jesus Christ? The goal is not to just come and receive and receive and receive. God owes me. We sang a beautiful song earlier. I, that song blew me away. I hadn't heard that song before. But it was a, such a real and true reminder that many of us do have the mentality of always wanting to just receive and receive and receive. So if the word of God is transforming our mind and renewing it daily. Then you and I are going to be looking to edify each other. To call each other. Pray over each other. Build each other up. Not tear each other down. Not hold each other back. I don't like it when I hear. And unfortunately, it's just the reality because... You know, we are who we are. We're human. We're sinful by nature. But a lot of times, we tend to, like, kind of 
throw each other under the bus. I'll say it that way. We'll ask about somebody. Oh, yeah, pastor, they need prayer. <laughs> right? Hey, have you seen? So oh, yeah. Yeah, they're not doing well. They need prayer, pastor. You need to call them. As if something I say is going to, like, you know, change, right? A person. No. We all have the responsibility. It's not just mine. We all have the responsibility to say, hey, what's going on? And build each other up. And encourage each other. Spur each other to do more works for Christ. But not to tear each other down. So when I look at this passage and it says to me, hey, what we should be focusing on is how we're loving and treating each other and how we're building each other up. Trust me, when we build, look, I'm going to give you guys a little something that I learned and I'm still learning. I'm still learning it. The more I take care of my family, oh, and my wife likes to take care of me. The less I think about myself and what I want, the more my wife surprises me with the stuff that I like. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Joe? What are you trying to say? Or I don't understand. I don't get it. What kind of connection are you making? The more I focus on Christ, the more I focus on serving the Lord, the more he takes care of me. The more he blesses my household. Is my household perfect? <laughs> no. <laughs> you think my household is perfect? Shoot. I'll talk to you after service. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you any secrets, but I'll tell you it's not perfect. You don't even have you could ask my wife. She'll tell you too. But the more, so do you kind of see what I'm getting at? So if I take the focus off myself and I put the focus on others and I put the focus on my family first, you know, yesterday, I'm going to tell on myself. Is that okay? Real quick. Yesterday, it's 1030. Okay, I'm going to finish up in a minute. I promise. Yesterday, I put baseboards in our bedroom. Every other bedroom in our house, the living room, the hall, everything else has baseboards, right? We moved into the house. 10 or so years ago. Lucas is 11. He's going to be 12 soon. You know, he wasn't born yet when we first moved into the house. And we did a bunch of little things to it when we moved in. It's, it's my in-law's house. But we take care of it and we treat it like it's ours. And, and yes, we do pay them rent. No freebies. Be spoiled if we did, huh? And yesterday, I put baseboards in our bedroom. And I was like, man, I didn't even feel like, yeah, I put baseboards in the bedroom. <laughs> I didn't feel that way. I felt like, dang, we've been here 10 years. <laughs> I even apologized to my wife. I said, man, it felt good to be done and to accomplish it and do it. And they look really nice. I wish I had pictures I'd show you and show them off. But, you know, and I don't do this for a living. I had to borrow a miter saw. But I did it. And I was like. Ten or so years later, you should be ashamed of yourself, right? And it just, it reminds me, it reminds me 
And that's something small, right? It's not a big deal. House isn't going to fall down because it doesn't have baseboards. <laughs> but it just reminds me. When we take care of what's priority, you'll be taken care of. Today, we're talking about kingdom thinking. If I take care of, if we take care of what's priority and what God's called us to do and what our response should be according to Scripture and according to what Christ teaches us, sometimes we ask God, why is all this happening to me? Why, is, why am I living such a hard and difficult life? Why am I? Why are we going through this? Why are we suffering through this? It's not because you're not doing something right. Not all, necessarily. Sometimes God just sees that you're fit to carry that cross. And instead of feeling sorry for yourself, instead of feeling defeated, instead of us thinking, thinking, what am I doing wrong? Why can't I get out of this? Why can't I, why can't I, why can't? Sometimes we just need to learn how to Put him at the center of it and continue to trust him through whatever burden, cross, thorn that you and I have in our lives. Will it make it go away? Probably not. Will it change the situation? I don't know. That's up to God. But will it give you God's perspective on it? And will it give you God's mindset for it? And will it give you God's strength to get through it? And will the Holy Spirit minister to your life as you're going through it and walking through it and living it, even if it's been 20, 30, 40 years? Absolutely, God will carry you through it. And the entire time, even when you feel at most alone, one day you will look back and know and realize he was with me the entire time. Verse 3 says, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Have you ever had somebody criticize you, judge you, talk bad about you? Guess what Jesus is saying? Hey, it falls on me too, because you're my child. You belong to me. Somebody hurts you, that hurt falls on me too. I carried it. I died for it. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That we, through the patience, listen, listen carefully. If you're going to listen to anything, I guess listen to this part. <laughs> for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. In other words, our edification. The building up of our lives, the strengthening of our minds and our hearts and our lives for our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, of what? That we, I'm going to read that again. That you and I, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, Might have what? Oh, it's getting good. 
Some of you are probably thinking, Pastor, you should have got to this part sooner. It's almost time to go. That through scripture and the edifying of our lives, the renewing of our minds, you and I will find a hope in Jesus Christ that we can find nowhere else. That no matter what we're going through, what we're seeing, what we're living, what's hurting us, what's ailing us, what we're living through, what cross we're carrying, that there is a hope in Jesus Christ that all of this one day is going to pass. That all of this one day you and I are going to look back and say, that's it? That's all it was? Why was I so worried about that? Why was I so downcast? I wasted days being hopeless when all I had to do was look to his word to be edified, be renewed in my mind and in my heart, and know that there is a hope that comes from Jesus Christ. And then he says, now may the God of patience, right? May the God of patience. This is so cool. Paul refers to God in so many different ways. He calls him, you know, uh, the God of perseverance. You ever read that? The God of perseverance. Now may the God of hope. He says that in other passages and other scriptures. Here he says, now may the God of patience. May the God of patience and comfort grant you. <laughs> grant you to be like-minded, like-minded. You and I can be like-minded. We need to be more like-minded. And what? Like-minded toward one another. Do you see that? Be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may Watch this, that you may with one mind. In other words, that we would all be of the same heart, of the same spirit, of the same desire. That's what that means. And what would that be? That you may with one mind and one mouth, that you and I would glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we would glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he desires of us. That we would be like-minded in those things. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us. To the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision of the truth of God. He's talking about the promise that he made through the forefathers, through Abraham. He has become a circum. Uh, Let's read that again. A servant to the circumcision for the truth of God. In other words, the truth of God, okay? In the Old Testament, it was important to be circumcised. What he's talking about now is that Jesus has fulfilled all those things, okay? So that you and I can be circumcised spiritually with the truth that is from his word. You follow me? So if you and I have his word, there is... A spiritual circumcision happening daily. Where the truth penetrates our heart and our minds. So that we may see things the way God sees them. So that we may have the heart of Christ. So that we may be kingdom minded. The way Jesus intends for you and I to be kingdom minded. So he has become a servant to the circumcision of the truth of God. To confirm the promises made to the fathers. And that the Gentiles, in other words, all nations, 
and that all nations, is what it literally says, might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. This is a psalm. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, or all nations, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all nations, laud him, all you peoples. And again, now Isaiah, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, talking about Jesus, a descendant of Jesse. There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise, rise the same word as being risen. Okay, just as Jesus was risen from the dead, the same word, that word risen means to be stood up. Okay, so it says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him. The Gentiles shall hope. That's you and I. So where is our hope going to come from? From him, from that shoot of Jesse, from Jesus Christ. But we have to be in his word. We have to be in devotion to him. We have to be in prayer with him. We have to be connected to him. So if you are saying to me today, man, pastor, I want to stop the way I think. Here's your first step, okay? Number one, accept Jesus into your life. Make sure that he is the Lord of your life. Make sure that he is the king of your life. Number two, start reading his word. Read his word every day. If he wakes you up at midnight and you don't know what else to do, read his scriptures. If he keeps you up until two in the morning, read his scriptures. Pray. Sometimes that even helps to fall asleep again. And it's not a bad thing. Don't feel like you're a sinner. You know what it is? It's the peace of God working through his word that when our minds are troubled, when our hearts are troubled and we go to him, he begins to bring peace. He begins to bring a soothing spiritual balm to your mind and to your heart to say, okay, it's time to rest now. It's okay if you fall asleep reading the word and you wake up with slobber all up in the Psalms or something like that. You know what I do? A lot of times I'll just put on the Bible app and I'll press play on that scripture and I just let it go. From chapter to chapter to chapter. And even if I fall asleep, it doesn't matter. Because why? Because my brain, guess what? Guess what? My brain, all those cells, those neurons that we talked about, is receiving all that information. And maybe my brain, when I'm asleep, doesn't know what to do with it. But my spirit does. My spirit does. Okay? I know for some of us, I know for, um, I'm... And there's doubters in the room today. Some of you are sitting here and you're looking at me and you're saying, oh, pastor, is it, is it really that? I'm going to tell you right now it is. But it's not easy. It's hard. I tell you, every time I go to do a devotional, why does it seem like everybody knows what time I want to do a devotional? Why? It seems like every time I want to do a devotional, every time I want to pray, even for five minutes, it seems like everybody knows. And the text messages start coming through and the phone calls, and I'm like, stop it. Turn it off. Ignore. Put it aside. And then something else, you know? All of a sudden, thoughts start coming in and distracting me. It just seems like every time, but if we don't push through it, church, if we don't push through it, guess what? then we're not going to ever find out. The mind of Christ is never going to come. So today, as we conclude, 
be reminded. Be reminded today and be challenged today to seek the mind of Christ. It says, may the God of hope fill you and I with joy, with peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Stand with me today. How will we know, Lord, if we don't even try? How do we know if we don't even push through? How will we know, Lord, if we don't continue to press into what you've called us to? I'm not going to know. I'm not going to have the answers. I'm not going to have the peace, the joy that your word promises. So, Lord, today I pray. I pray against any doubt, any resistance that we may put, that we may put before you. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts would begin to melt in your presence. That we would be inclined to want more of you and allow your word, your scriptures, our prayer and devotional times with you to bring renewal to our thinking and our minds that through your Holy Spirit, we would be like-minded with you. I pray a blessing over your people today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.